1: Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. And joining us once again is Humble the Poet, a Canadian school teacher and musician turned philosopher, blogger, and author. His book, Unlearn, 101 Simple Truths for a Better Life, was originally crowdfunded and self-published, And became a bestseller.
0: And Humble's new book is called How to Be Loved, Simple (laughs) Truths for Going Easier on Yourself, Embracing Imperfection, and Loving Your Way to a Better Life. Humble, we are so happy to welcome you back to Nobody Told Me, and we absolutely love the new book.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me back on, and I really appreciate you guys also making the time to read the book. Uh, It really means a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said to you off the air, it really is like therapy. I, As somebody who is single right now, I found what you said about about really forgiving ourselves for past mistakes we've made in relationships to be one of the biggest takeaways that I had from the book. So what advice would you have for people who are maybe saying, I'm not worthy of love because I've made mistakes in the past. And I want to get over that. I want to find somebody, but I can't really forgive myself.
2: Um, So I think the first thing I want to say is let's abandon this idea of worthiness and enoughness. I think there's a popular idea of telling people like you're worthy of love. You're enough for love. I want to go one step further and say, let's abandon these measurements. You can't be, there isn't worthiness when it comes to measuring a person. There's definitely not enoughness when it comes to a person. Um, Enough applies to do I have enough money to buy my groceries? Do I have enough gas in my car to make a road trip? Um, A person is a person, you know, there is no qualifying or disqualifying factor for you to be or not be anything. And the love that we crave and desire is so abundant, it would love things that even others would consider unlovable. So, You know, so I think the first thing we need to do is just abandon this. I don't measure myself in terms of my worthiness. And a lot of that happens, you know, from our upbringing where, you know, we are children who are, have developing brains. We think simply, we think in terms of black and white. Um, We have a center of the universe mentality just through our development. I used to be a school teacher and that wasn't something that you could teach out of the kids. They had to get older and uh, evolve past it. So when we, experienced our our interpersonal relationship with other people, especially the adults that raised us, very often we internalized everything from them and and made it about us. And I kind of think about that with my puppy. Um, If I'm in a bad mood, she thinks it's her fault. You know, and it's the same thing when we're children. If our parents are coming from a bad place, we think it's our fault. And then we create this inner dialogue and, and template for ourselves that we have to earn people's love. You know, if I, if I behave this way, they're happy. If I don't behave this way, um, they're sad or what have you. And and then we think we have to earn love and we have to be enough. You you couple that with the fact that, you know, we live in a society, which is like, buy stuff, buy stuff, be happy. So we also, you know, they subtly send us this messaging that you are not enough as you are. You need to buy our product. You need to buy our makeup. You need to buy our cars. You need to buy our jewelries, You need to get our subscriptions, whatever it may be. But the truth is there isn't enoughness and there isn't worthiness. And and the reason you know this is when you think about the people you love in your life and not even just romantic, you can think about your family, your friends, um, you know, all of their flaws, you know, all of their mistakes, you know, all of their past failures. None of that disqualifies them from love. None of that disqualifies them from your love um, because they don't have to earn your love. Um, And then also when you think about holding a child, you know, holding, you know, for me, I don't have any children. I have nieces and nephews, like holding my niece for the first time. I was completely in love with her. I didn't have an interaction with her. I didn't know her. Um, It doesn't require that. Love doesn't require you to earn anything or be anything or qualify for anything. Love is something that, that is in existence. And what we have to do is let go of certain things that block pathways of love, like our insecurities, what have you. So I think that's the first thing. And then, you know, the idea of loving ourselves, you know, on a very simple level is loving ourselves the way we love other people. And forgiveness is a massive, massive element to that. Forgiveness isn't saying I'm okay with what happened. Forgiveness is saying I'm going to let go of it because I don't want it to weigh down on me. You know, I'm not I'm not excusing any behavior. We all make mistakes. And what we have to understand is that's the only times we learn. For us not to have any mistakes, which means we, we would never have any learning opportunities, And if we were not making mistakes and we were completely perfect, then we would not have any vulnerabilities. And if we didn't have any vulnerabilities, then we would have no ability to connect with people. Because the only way to establish an authentic connection with anybody is through being vulnerable. So what we have to understand is failure or what we perceive to be failure um, isn't a death sentence. It is a path that we should be walking. We should be aiming to make mistakes, aiming to fall flat on our faces and feelings of regret and constantly repeating, you know, ideas in our head and the shoulda, woulda, coulda's, you know, those are survival techniques for us to learn and be better. Um, and also, like, let's also own the fact that we don't own crystal balls, you know, so to go back and replay a situation in which we acted different assumes we knew how things would play out and we don't. We have no idea how Love things that. play out. We all have stories in our lives where in the short term, it felt like it was good news and it turned out to be bad. Maybe you got a new job, you were so excited, and then a month into it, you're like, I wish I didn't take this job. And then sometimes we have stuff in the short term where it feels horrible and it turns out to be the greatest thing ever. Maybe you missed a flight um, and then that allowed something else to happen. Or um, maybe you didn't get a certain opportunity or you didn't connect with a certain person and then later on you realize, oh, that wasn't going to be good for me. You know, so we don't have crystal balls. We can't predict what's good and what's bad for us. We have to let things play out and enjoy ourselves where it's at. And forgiveness is an essential part of this because we have to forgive ourselves. And, um, you know, uh, Kamal Ravikant, and I quote him in the book, he wrote a book about loving yourself. And he made it a routine and a ritual where he wrote down the things he needed to forgive himself for. And then he would throw those pieces of paper in the ocean or he would burn them you know, and, and and burning it doesn't magically make you forgive yourself, but there is value in a, in a ritual, there's value in something tangible. And also getting it outside of your head and getting it into the world, you know, whether through a journal on a piece of paper or what have you, I think it's completely important. And then forgiving yourself will allow you to forgive others. Because when we're not forgiving others, we're living in a state of resentment. And when you're in a state of resentment, that's the hardest place to find love.
0: You have so many wise, simple truths about love in the book. And I love how at the end of the book, you write that you haven't always followed this advice, that you know these things, like a lot of us know certain things, and yet we still can't really follow them or apply them to our own lives. Tell us more about that, about how you, you know these things and yet it, it hasn't always worked for you to remember them or follow them.
2: Yeah, I think the the analogy I used in the book was French fries versus uh, broccoli. You know, I was like, the, at the end of the day, this book is just telling you that through my intense research that I figured out that broccoli is healthier than French fries. And I'm like, but I'm writing the book as I eat French fries. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's important because I think, you know, I have been <clears throat> so I've been so lucky and fortunate to be invited into many circles, uh, especially especially around people prominent in the in the wellness space. And, you know, I've sat down at their seminars and talks. And what I started to notice is this pattern of like this linear pattern of like, hey, I used to be messed up. Then I figured this stuff out and now I'm not messed up. And now, for like six easy payments of 1995, you can learn my secret and not be messed up either. <laughs> and it's just like you know, it's a straight line of like I, you know, it's, it's kind of like the movies. It's like we had a problem, we had a solution, and we lived happily ever after. And the truth is, like that's not how any of us exists. We exist in seasons. Like everything is cyclical. Everything is a cycle. I have a a summer, fall, spring, and a winter. And I learn as I go through these. But you know, the challenges are still going to be there. And I think for me, you know. In in the subtitle of the book, it's Simple Truth for Going Easier on Yourself. So again, I'm not demanding perfection of myself or for anybody else. I'm going easier on myself. And what I'm trying to do is build awareness as to why I may be choosing fast food over something nutritious. And that's generally the analogy of the book in terms of us choosing fast food versions of love, attention, affection, uh, validation, success, clout, control, power. All of these things feel like love, but they're not love. Love is an absence of the emotions. Love is the peace that comes when there's no other mess around. Love isn't getting all these things. Love is not getting everything. Love is not wanting anything else. And that is why, you know, and I recognize that the same way I recognize making healthier food choices would be better, but that doesn't mean I'm going to win that battle every day, but it does mean I'll make better decisions in terms of what I keep in my refrigerator. I'll make better decisions in terms of how I decide to spend my time and then also frame myself accordingly. Well, I don't have to eat completely healthy every single day. I just have to eat healthy more days than I don't. And it's the same thing with love where it's like, recognizing that hey this is work, you know love is work, uh, sacrifice, it's service, it's doing all of these things and it's being around a person that can get on your nerves. It's being around yourself when you get on your nerves. <laughs> it's being uncomfortable and and all of that is okay. Go easy on yourself um, because as many of us know, and especially in, in the world of being self-employed, when you are your own boss, you can be so mean to yourself, you know and you can say the meanest things to yourself and when you are your own employee, you'll take levels of abuse that you would never take from anybody else. But the real question is, does that lead to any more productivity? Does it actually give you the results you want? And I think that's what I've been trying to encourage in this book is an awareness of like, look, here are the things that we do. There's nothing, wrong for you, and there's nothing wrong with you for making these choices. A lot of these choices are based off of old programming that we've had because, you know, for tens of thousands of years, we lived in small communities and caring what those people in our community thought about us meant life or death and we have that programming in us and even though we live in societies and cities now where that do- isn't relevant that doesn't mean we're going to instantly delete that software out of our, our out of the phones that we are you know you buy your phone out of the store tomorrow it has a bunch of apps that you didn't ask for but they're there and you can't get rid of them it's the same thing our paranoia our need to be accepted um you know our our addiction to gossip uh, you know our addiction to salty foods all of these things are just a part of us and we can't biohack those things away. We can just understand them and respect them. And I view them as you know forces of nature. And when you respect the force of nature, you can work around it. We have to understand gravity to learn how to fly. We didn't fight gravity. We understood it, respected it, and worked around it. And I think it's the same thing with our own perceived limitations of being human.
0: Our Nobody Told Me conversation continues as we share some information about our sponsor, Daily Harvest, and a special offer they have for you. Our lives could get hectic at times, so we're grateful for Daily Harvest, which delivers stress-free meals to your doorstep. Daily Harvest delivers delicious harvest
1: bowls, soups, flatbreads, snacks, smoothies, lattes, and more built on organic
0: fruits and vegetables. Daily Harvest works directly with farmers to source the best ingredients and freeze them at peak ripeness to lock in flavor and nutrients. They never use artificial preservatives or ingredients. Daily Harvest is on
1: a mission to make it really easy to eat more fruits and vegetables every day, and with nourishing and easy-to-prepare options, I never have to think twice about what to eat for my next meal, snack, or
0: dessert. Exactly. Daily Harvest foods stay fresh in my freezer until I'm ready to enjoy them, helping me reduce food waste. And by the way, Daily Harvest's Tomato and basil flatbread is one of my favorites. Mine
1: too, and I can't wait to try their butternut squash and rosemary soup. It seems so
0: perfect for a chilly night at this time of year. And for a quick snack, you can't go wrong with Daily Harvest Bites. They're the perfect combo of powerful superfoods and a touch of sweetness. They're ready to eat in flavors like raspberry and fig or
1: hazelnut and chocolate. You have to check out the Daily Harvest website to see all of the options that are
0: available. Daily Daily Harvest is committed to human and planetary health, which means they do their absolute best to ensure transparency and integrity when it comes to their ingredients and the humans who grow them. By supporting farmers who invest
1: in practices that increase biodiversity and improve the health of our soil, and by delivering food in recyclable and compostable packaging where possible, Daily Harvest does the work.
0: We just eat and enjoy. It's a win-win. Let Daily Harvest do more so you can do less. Go to dailyharvest.com slash nobody told me to get up to $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash nobody told me to get up to $40 off your first box. dailyharvest.com slash nobody told me. You
1: write that true confidence is not having to explain ourselves to other people. So then how do we respond in those situations where we feel we need to and we're all ready for, for a fight? We're kind of on edge, ready to defend ourselves.
2: You wait 24 hours and see if you, you have that need. It's you know, I think it is a reminder. I think this is a reminder, especially for you know those, you know, those that criticize us, especially in a world of like, you know, public forums like the internet. These are people that have an obstructed view, um, and minimal exposure to you. You know, the 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 analogy I use is these people have one piece of your puzzle, and 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 for some reason they have an opinion on the whole picture, you know, and they can't even see the whole picture, and you know we have to give the people with the with the least exposure to us for some reason have the most consideration because often they're saying things that connect with our insecurities, and that's the only reason it hits us. And, um, you know, if somebody criticizes certain parts of me, if they capture one of my insecurities that I already had, it's going to sting. And then I'm going to feel this need to respond. Um, But explaining is draining. And, you know, the only people that, you know, may have a right to to look at us with some constructive criticism are people that spend a lot of time with us because they can help us see our blind spots. But, you know, confidence isn't explaining yourself to people. It's understanding that people aren't going to get you because they can only receive you at whatever level they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially, you know, me putting out this book, you know, it. every time I, I release a new project, I, I'm i instantly exposed to a much larger audience beyond my community. And these are people that have never been exposed to me, don't have a relationship with me, and they're taking in the quote that they read or they're taking in whatever, and, and they're making it about themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their criticisms aren't valid towards me. And they're not talking to me or about me. It's, they're just spraying graffiti on on me. <laughs> And it's the graffiti for them. They're tagging themselves. And um, I've been in this game long enough to understand that and understand that I have, I have no need to explain that. And, you know, the old quote from Dr. Seuss is those who matter don't mind. And those who mind don't matter.
0: You know, you tell people to ask themselves, do you focus on the people who love you? Or the ones who won't return your calls, do you mm-hmm. share your problems or your joys with people? I, I thought, wow, that, that's like an eye opener. That is so
1: true. You know? I mean, it's like, I know how to answer that question yeah. and I wish I
0: didn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tell us more about that.
2: Uh, you know, the, I think the quote is, you know, we ignore those who adore us and adore those who ignore us. And again, like this, you know, when we hear it, we're like, oh, yeah, I do that. And then the question is, why? And you know, and then we start to beat ourselves up. And I think for me, the big idea is: look, once these situations are identified, um, this, the next step isn't beating yourself up. The next step is being easier on yourself for it. As humans, you know, our brains are doing a lot of work to ignore things. You know, we we would be over um, stimulated if we absorbed everything that our brain is experiencing at a regular at a regular basis. So our brain is ignoring many things. So our brain is ignoring certain smells in the house. So if, if there's a foreign smell, you know, we can we can smell it and, you know, something there might be a gas leak or something. Um, things that are in place, you know, your home becomes kind of a background blur to you. Um, things that are in place, things that are doing what they're supposed to do, our brain will naturally ignore to maintain bandwidth for things that are out of place. And that's a survival technique. If you're walking through the forest and you hear a noise, you need to pay attention to that noise because that's out of place and that can keep you alive. Even if, you know, 99 out of 100 times, it's nothing. You know, the one time that's a saber-tooth tiger, that will save you. So it's the same thing that we have now is that we, the nature of the creature that we are is we're going to ignore things that are in place. So we're going to constantly focus things that are out of place. And what that means is in this modern safe society where we're not, on a daily basis, worrying about, you know, predators and and, and dinosaurs eating us is we keep thinking about our lives. So, well, what's out of place in my life? Okay, well, I got this, I got this going on. I got a husband, I have this, I have this, I have this, but oh, my my bank account is struggling. Oh, my, my work project is moving slow. We start to constantly focus on what's out of place. So then it was like, well, these people are paying attention to me, which is great, but who's not, who's not getting back to me? You know, and then we start to focus on that. Even even with me, I'm in the middle of a marketing a book and it's like, whose emails am I waiting to hear back from? Who's not doing what they're supposed to do? And, you know, that doesn't give me a lot of space for gratitude and thanking those who are who are on top of things. Um, and I think that's just the nature of who we are. And the first step is just being aware of it. It's, there's no value in beating yourself up for it. It's just being aware of it and then being active. So for me, what I had to do um was I had to put people's names in my calendar and I just put it on auto. And generally, you know, for acquaintances, it's once every two months. and say, hey, reach out to so-and-so and just send them a quick message. Be like, hey, how's, how's everything going? How are you doing? Thinking about you. And um, also, you know, sending people quick video messages. And and I learned that from a friend, Steve Weatherford, who I mentioned in the book, where he literally has a calendar full of reaching out to people. And, you know, he, he doesn't have to prove to anybody. He's like, you matter to me. And the way I'm showing that you matter to me is that you're in my my calendar. I think Robin Sharma said it. Don't tell me your priorities, show me your schedule. And from your schedule, I will know what's important to you. And I think it's the same way. So if you put people into your schedule, just to reach out, just to say hi, just to catch up with, um, that allows them and you to know what's really important to you, instead of simply relying on your brain to to think that it knows what's important, because your brain will always prioritize things that are out of place, because that is old software for survival.
1: I love that. I really, really do. And I think it's a really good idea for people to implement that where they have some reminder to reach out to people that maybe they are not connecting with as frequently as as maybe they should, Mm because life gets in the way. Mm -hmm. But as busy as life is, we all feel some sort of obligation, I think, to say yes to things that maybe we really want to say no to, and that the day will come and we're wishing we said no to, and you have some great thoughts on boundaries that I would love for you to share with us.
2: Yeah. You know, self-love is establishing boundaries and boundaries aren't closing yourself off to people. Boundaries is teaching people your constraints. Um, I think the motivation for us being people pleasers is that we want to feel like we matter, We want to feel like we're valuable. So generally what we do is we just say yes to everybody else's needs while putting our needs in the back burner, either from a perspective of just making our needs secondary or not even doing the work to figure out what our needs are. And I think the big reminder needs to be you are of no value to anybody else unless you put your needs first you know it's that that age old you know tip on the airplane it's put your oxygen mask on first before you put on even your child's and it's you cuz it's you're not of any value to anybody if you're not taking care of yourself and we have to let go of these kind of fast food connections of being martyrs and the self pity that comes with putting everybody else's needs before ours there's nothing honorable about that and there's nothing that you know, and you can't hope that other people are doing the same for you. You have to put your needs first. Self-love is treating yourself the way you're treating people you care about. And that requires you to say no. And realizing that whenever you say yes to people, you're saying no to something else. You know, and it's okay to say no because the people that matter in your life will understand that if you communicate it. And it's also really important to understand that that fear that we have um, of 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 making people disappointed in us. That's a normal fear. And again, that goes back to old software that we've had. That fear of disappointing people comes from the fear of ostr- ostracization, that, being ostracized Sorry, um, when we lived in small villages. Because if you lived in a village of 100 people and you didn't follow the rules and they kicked you out of the village, that could have led to your death. And that's why feeling like disappointing people feels like death because it's that old software in us. And we just have to understand that this isn't the case anymore. We are wired to do this stuff, but we, we can evolve past it. And I'm not saying it's going to get easier to say no to people. It never does. I, I quote Warren Buffett in the book, and he says it's never become easier. But we don't need to chase easy. The goal here isn't easy. The goal here is to see the value in difficult. The analogy I like to use is a good day at the gym isn't an easy day. You know, if it was an easy workout, it wasn't a good workout. It needs to be, <laughs> it needs to be difficult. Saying no needs to be difficult. I, you know, I do ice baths. I, I went to Poland and trained with Wim Hof. If the, sitting in the ice was easy, there's no value to it. It needs to scare the crap out of me. It needs to make me breathe. It needs to be completely uncomfortable because that's what builds the resilience. Saying no to people needs to constantly feel uncomfortable and needs to raise the anxiety. And that's okay. That's, that's a sign you're alive. You know, I guess the juice is flowing and there's something beautiful about that as well.
0: You spent uh, an incredible amount of time just focusing on love, thinking about love, writing about love, and I'm wondering what suggestion you would have for someone who is listening to this and has maybe had a relationship just break up or or lost someone due to due to death or you know is for whatever the reason you know grieving an aspect of love in their lives and and just feeling horrible. What should they do?
2: sit with the pain, sit with it, you know, don't medicate it, don't avoid it, don't fight it, don't hide it, sit with it, experience it, journal it, cry it out, scream it out, express it out, you know, our emotions are all important and there's something valuable from that. And so often the the biggest challenges we have, especially in the world of mental health, come not from the unpleasant feelings, it comes from the suppression of the unpleasant feelings, you know, anxiety is not an enemy. Anxiety is a gift. You know, sadness is not an enemy. Sadness is a gift. If you Google um, emotion wheel, these are all the emotions that humans have. The vast majority of the emotions we would consider negative, but negative emotions are what kept us alive. You don't learn when you're happy. You learn when you're sad. You learn when you fail. These are beautiful times to evolve. And sitting with that pain, you know, as unpleasant as it is, the same way it's unpleasant to sit in ice, the same way it's unpleasant to say no, sitting with this stuff will unlock a better version of you, a deeper version of you. Sitting with this stuff will help you learn about yourself and connect with yourself. And doing that will also build your self-respect, which I think is really important because so often we're focusing on our self-esteem, which is what everybody else thinks of us what we think about ourselves is way more important. I'm not here to minimize the pain of a relationship that ended a lot earlier than you wanted it to. But, you know, we, we need to smile that these things happen instead of mourn that they're gone. You know, we've all had our heart broken, but a, a broken heart is an open heart and there's so much to learn from it. And I think that's a really important idea to, to really explore and understand, which is the most important relationship you have is the one with yourself. So the last thing you need to do is avoid, medicate, and delay, you know, the healing that comes from experiencing pain. And and the most interesting people in the world are the people who have just gone through crap. And I think that's really important. Um, in addition to that, I think recognizing anytime that, you know, you miss somebody, we don't generally just miss the person. We miss the way they made us feel. And I think that's a really important Um, thing to understand that we're chasing feelings. We're not chasing people. We're not chasing qualities. We're chasing feelings. You know, maybe you're a female who wants a guy who's a foot and a half taller than you. You're not just chasing an attraction to that. You're chasing the safety that you think you receive from that. So there's other ways of scratching that safety itch. The same way there's other ways of scratching this itch. I'm sure, you know, reuniting with a person that you've lost would make all the anxiety go away. But again, it's going to be temporary. Because there's a reason that that person is not here, you know, whether it was a breakup or you know things ending a lot earlier than you thought they would. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> denying what's in front of you will always just contribute to mental health issues. You know, We're not bothered because things didn't go. We're not bothered because things played out a certain way. We're bothered because the things that played out didn't meet our expectations. We can't control what happens on the outside. We can only control with how we have expectations and how we want things to be. So for me, the big lesson I learned from this was don't avoid my pain, sit with it, journal it, talk about it, dance with it, feel it. And that allows you to be vulnerable with yourself, building a better relationship with yourself.
0: Oh,
1: I love that. That's, that's beautiful. And as you know, our show is called nobody told me, and this will be your third time answering this question, but what is your nobody told me lesson? So what did nobody tell you about loving yourself that you wish you'd known long ago, because it would have saved you from some of those difficult times that you experienced after heartbreak?
2: That is a great question. Um, I think, I think nobody, nobody told me especially growing up and I'm not holding this against anybody, but um, nobody told me that vulnerability is the only currency we have to connect with people, you know, and it took me therapy to learn that, that I crave a depth with people that I did not, that I sabotaged by not being vulnerable. I wanted to go deep with people, but I wanted to do it without being vulnerable. And um, I remember avoiding those vulnerable moments, even with my friends, watching them be vulnerable with each other. And viewing that with an eye of judgment, not realizing that they were going deeper with each other, establishing stronger connections while I was being left outside. Because I thought I was because I was too scared to let them see the real me because I thought for some reason that would disqualify me from their love. Not recognizing it again that I've seen the real version of other people and that's not disqualified them from my love because love doesn't require qualifying or deserving. So I think for me, had I learned a lot earlier, just be be your vulnerable self you know i think the career of the writer humble the poet now is doing that just trying to find all the all all the fortresses that i've built up in my life i'm starting to understand now that they're not protecting me that they're prisons keeping me inside and all these books and everything i write now is is trying to tear down those walls understanding that you know tearing down those walls is freeing me but also exposing me to a lot of things that i'm not used to and i'm uncomfortable with and that's okay
0: and Humble, how can people connect with you on social media and the internet?
2: Um, they can find me at Humble the Poet everywhere, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, all the good ones. Um, and my website is HumbleThePoet.com. and you can find the book at humblethepoet slash love or anywhere you buy books.
0: Great. Well, again, it has been such fun to talk with you. You uh, inspire us and you just you really make us think. And and we love that.
2: I appreciate you guys for making time and chatting with me. It's always a pleasure.
0: Again, our thanks to Humble the Poet, whose new book is called How to Be Loved, Simple Truths for Going Easier on Yourself, Embracing Imperfection, and Loving Your Way to a Better Life. And again, his website is HumbleThePoet.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.